0: Okay, Genesis 22, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. Exodus 12, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or cooked in water, but roast it over the fire, head, legs, and inner parts. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. John 1, 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Thanks be to God. All right. Let's see. I'm going to share my screen with you all now. Um, let's see a second. And uh, here we go. Oh, hold on one second. Got to get all the Zoom stuff in the right place. All right, if you guys would please join me uh, as we start this time with a word of prayer. God, you are our protector and our provider. Our Passover reading this morning reminds us that these days of sheltering in place are not the first time that your people needed to stay inside to seek shelter from something deadly. However, because of the hope that we have in Christ, we also know that Passover was not the last time that you provided protection for your people. We look to you again as our shelter through this dark and fearful time. We ask that you would open our eyes to be aware of your presence now and always. Amen. Amen. In our two stories today... One of the first things that I noticed when I heard them is the very different approach that the authors take to sharing details. In the first story of Abraham and his son Isaac, we don't get a lot of details, and I really, really wish we did. We jump straight from God telling Abraham that he needs to go and sacrifice his son on a mountain, to early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. <laughs> we, we don't hear what happens in between. What does God Uh, what do God and Abraham talk about during that time? Does Abraham protest? Does he ask questions? What's that night like? How on earth can Abraham, could Abraham even sleep? I mean, honestly, And and then we hear about this three day journey that they go on towards this mountain and we don't get anything about what happens in those three days. Do they talk to each other? What do Abraham and Isaac talk about? What's going on in Abraham's heart and his mind during all of this? We don't get any of those details. Meanwhile, in the Exodus passage, the story about the Passover, we are overloaded with details. <laughs> it's like, okay, we get it. You, we're supposed to eat uh, at this time of day. We're supposed to do the sacrifice. And it's supposed to be this kind of lamb from this sort of thing. And uh, make sure that everybody's there. Make sure that everybody has enough. And, and it has to be this specific, special kind of bread with no yeast. And it has to be these herbs. And you're supposed to wear your cloak like this while you eat it. And detail after detail after detail. I kind of wish the two stories, the the authors of the two stories could have gotten together and maybe uh, shared a little bit of their, their tips with each other, maybe some brevity in the Passover passage, and then maybe a little bit more detail in the story of Abraham and Isaac. But one thing that both of these stories share together is that in them, God tells his people something unbearable. In the story of Abraham and Isaac, God tells Abraham to sacrifice his son, his only son, the son that he loves, Isaac. This is an unthinkable thing. I, I, I don't even have kids, but when I try to put myself in Abraham's position, I, I can't even entertain the thought for very long. It's, it's painful. It's unbearable. It's, it's horrible. And likewise, in, in the Passover passage, God is, is telling about this 10th and final plague that is about to come on the entire land of Egypt, uh, the death of the firstborn son of each family. And this is something that the, the Israelites had gone through earlier, you know, not, not that long ago, Pharaoh, the, the king of Egypt, had ordered all of the baby boys who were born to the Hebrew people to be killed and thrown in the Nile. They'd already gone through this awful genocide of having their children killed, And now God is saying that this unbearable thing is going to happen in the land of Egypt again. Both of these passages describe something unbearable. And yet in both passages, God provides a lamb to bear the burden. In the story of Abraham and Isaac, uh, Isaac asks his father as they're on their way up, you know, dad, I see the wood, I see the, the fire and everything, but you know, where's the lamb for the sacrifice? And Abraham says to him, God himself will provide the lamb. And sure enough, I don't, I don't know if Abraham knew what was going to happen. I don't think he did, but sure enough, right before he's about to go through with this unthinkable thing, an angel of the Lord comes and stops Abraham and says, you know, enough, stop, you, you don't need to go through with this, look. And, and he looks up and there off in the distance is a ram, a sheep, a, a, you know, a, a a lamb with its, its horn caught in the thicket, in the bush. And that ends up becoming the sacrifice. Isaac's life is spared, and this sheep, this ram, is sacrificed in his place. God provided uh, a, a lamb to bear this burden that Abraham couldn't go through with. And, and likewise, in the, in the Passover story, God provides a way for the firstborn son in each Israelite family to live By providing a lamb to be sacrificed in its place and by putting the blood of that lamb on the doorpost of those homes as a sign that God will pass over them, that God provides a way for them out of this horrible, unthinkable situation. Now both of these stories deal with sacrifice and killing and blood, which is a difficult thing for a lot of us to really grapple with. I I think a lot of, you know, modern folks, our friends and neighbors and family might even point to these kinds of stories to say, you know, this is why I can't be a religious person. This is why I can't believe in the Bible. Like, this, this God sounds awful. You know, are, are these sacrifices really just about appeasing this, this bloodthirsty, vengeful, cruel God? Well, the Bible actually tells us the way that God thinks about sacrifice. In uh, Psalm 51, we read these words from David. David says to God, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. But my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. It's never been about the death, the blood, the, the sacrifice itself. It's about what it represents. It's always been about uh, this, this method of um, restoring the relationship that's been broken between humanity and God. Sacrifices are are a sign of repentance and restoration. They're this outward, external sign of an internal, relational reality between humans and God. It's not about the sacrifice itself, it's about what it represents. And what it represents is this, that the, the sacrifice shows, it's a very physical, tangible, touchable, smellable sign of where we would be without God. We would be dead, we would be helpless. That's what the sacrifice represented. It's a way of saying, this is where I'd be without you, Lord. And then it also turns into a meal, a meal that's shared between friends, this meal that signifies a restored relationship between humanity and God. That's what these sacrifices are about they're about the inter- they're they're a sign of what's happening on the inside things that we can't see but they're the tangible visible uh, expression of these relational realities between humans and between god and this made a ton of sense in the hebrew culture because in hebrew culture it it's a lot more uh, tactile tangible it, it's to to repent and to be restored uh, in a relationship wasn't just about you know, making a mental decision of feeling regret or feeling remorse and, and choosing, oh, in the future, I'll act differently. Uh, no, to, to do something, to repent mentally, wouldn't have been enough for people in this culture. It needed to be something tangible, tactile, physical, concrete, because that was a, a huge part of what this culture was all about. And so we see that these sacrifices are an outward sign of an inward reality. and Another part about Hebrew culture that, that plays a big role between both of these stories, between the story of Abraham and Isaac, and the story mm-hmm. of the Passover, is the language. Particularly one word that shows up in both of these stories, and that's the word yirah. In, in the Hebrew language, words function a lot differently than they do for us in English. One word can actually have a, up, you know, up to a dozen different meanings depending on the context. And in the context, we see what, what meaning is implied, but this one word, yura, can have a bunch of different meanings, and it can mean to see, to look, to appear, provide, look after, you know, see to something, like I'll see to it that this happens, to show, to examine. And in both passages that we read, Old Testament passages that we read today, we see this word show up. In Genesis 22, when Isaac asks Abraham where the lamb is, Abraham says, God himself will yerah the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And in the context, we know he means provide, but within that word, there are all these other meanings are echoed. God himself will see to the lamb for the burnt offering. God himself will provide the lamb. God himself will appear as the lamb. All of these different meanings are echoed in this one word. And likewise, too, in the Passover passage, when God says, the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I yudah the blood, I will pass over you. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. It's also echoed this meaning, when I provide the blood, I will pass over you. When I look at the blood, I will pass over you. This one meaning, this one word has, has all these different meanings that are are showing up in both of these passages. And then I love how in our gospel reading from the Gospel of John, the word that that John uses to point to Jesus is, look, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, John wasn't written in Hebrew, but (laughs) if it was, I feel very confident that this word, look, would have been the same one used in Exodus and Genesis, with all of this meaning of look, see, God is appearing and providing and showing up as this lamb, as this substitute, as this this sacrifice that restores the relationship that was lost and broken between us and him. And so we see, look, Jesus is the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. All of these these meanings that that have come through in the Old Testament for for lambs and, and the sacrificial code of the Old Testament When John points to Jesus and says, look, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, all of those meanings, all of those things are now put on Jesus' shoulders. And we see that he fulfills everything that was pointed to in the Old Testament. We begin to see the connection between how God is providing, how God is seeing, how he's looking after, and even how God is appearing, appearing among us as the lamb to be our sacrifice. When John points this out, we see how Jesus is the lamb that God provides. We see that Jesus is God appearing among us. And now instead of one lamb serving as a sacrifice to restore the relationship between one person and God or one family and God, we see Jesus serving as the ultimate sacrifice, the lamb of God who restores all of humanity to God offered by God himself. This is the incredible thing, that the father provides his own son to bear the unbearable burden. Abraham and Isaac didn't have to go through with the awful deed. The families in in Israel didn't need to lose their firstborn son because the Passover lamb was provided. However, God did give his son. He did what we couldn't do. He did what he spared us from having to go through an experience. He took that on himself. And that's what we see are God-like. We see that in every case, what God asks of his people, he ends up providing for his people in a way that we can never provide for ourselves. We see that in the story of Abraham and Isaac. Isaac was spared because God provided a lamb to be the sacrifice in his place. We see that in the Passover that the firstborn of every family of the Israelites was spared because God provided a way for them to be passed over in judgment by sacrificing this lamb and putting the blood on the doorpost. And when God saw that, he passed over them. And each of us, all of us are now spared as well from the penalty that we have, have incurred on ourselves Every time that we have chosen selfishness over love, every time that we've chosen to turn away from God or to turn away from our neighbors, those penalties, we are now spared from having to to, uh, face the judgment of those penalties because Jesus has become our sacrifice, our substitute, our lamb, that God has provided in our place to bear the, the, the punishment that we have deserved. In all of these cases, God has always and will always yira. God has always and will always provide for what we need most. God will always and has always seen after our needs. God has always and will always appear and be with us. Now he is with us even now as the Holy Spirit, even though we can't even be with each other, God is with us now in an incredible way that we, can barely even understand. God has always, and will always, Yerah. And so how do we respond to this this incredible gift (laughs) that that Christ has become our substitute lamb and our place so that we don't have to go through this horrible, unbearable, unthinkable thing? Well, we say it every week. We say that Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. And And our response is simply to keep the feast. That's how we respond to what God has done. We keep the feast. We come together, we join God at the table of thanks, the table of praise, at the table of hospitality. And we feast on the meal that God himself provides. Now we're gonna enter into a time I wanna give everyone a a few minutes to, you can either sit silently and reflect on, on how God maybe showed up to you today. Or you can talk to the people that you, know, you might be next to and, and, and think about some of these discussion questions or you can journal about them. Uh, you can do whatever you need to during these few, next few minutes. And then we'll, we'll return and we'll pray. Let's close in prayer. God, our provider, Christ, our lamb. We thank you for taking our place. We thank you for providing what we could not provide for ourselves. In this time of uncertainty, we look to you as our provider and our protector. We ask that you would see us through. And we ask that we would put our trust in you in times when we're not sure where hope is going to come from or where anything good can be found in all of this may we look to you in all these times and for all these things as our lamb amen
2: all right we're going to end by singing all you
1: refugees
2: one two three four Great week.
1: Go in peace, everyone. It's good to be with you. I'm glad you could join us. Have a great week.